Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook as TV contracts are rolled over and Manchester City roll on. We want to continue to try to do it our best for, uh, you know, for our people, for ourselves. Gundogan has it and has scored a wonderful goal for Manchester City. Alex Crook, TalkSport's commentator, thinks the Manchester City's title win was sealed in the Indian Ocean. The key moment, the absolute key moment for me was a meeting that took place in the Maldives um, in the autumn between Pep Guardiola, who loves to go to the Maldives and why not, and the Manchester City chairman. And it was in that conversation when other managers were actively being pursued at that stage, the likes of Maurizio Pochettino, the likes of Nagelsmann. So Manchester City weren't entirely convinced that Guardiola would sign a new contract. But as soon as he did that, Manchester City's form rocketed and that uncertainty that I think had seeped into the dressing room suddenly ebbed away. All the news ahead of the FA Cup final on the way and a huge preview. Plus, Crystal Palace and Tottenham are having trouble with their situations vacant and an outlandish destination for the England captain. All on the ultimate preview of the weekend's footballing action from TalkSport. It's the Game Day Podcast. score four away at Liverpool, three away at Everton and three at home at Tottenham, you know, it's just, they just look unstoppable at the minute. We want to continue to try and to do it our best for, uh, you know, for our people, for ourselves. I actually feel City Group and Manchester City Football Club are currently establishing itself as the biggest football club in the world. Gundogan has it and has scored a wonderful goal for Manchester City. Mares left footed, oh what a brilliant goal. Foden who turns and scores and it's a brilliant equaliser from Manchester City and it's turned in by John Stones he's got another vital goal for Manchester City the strength and depth that they've got mm. they've got their recruitment spot on here's Bernardo Silva edge of the D wandering too far towards the edge of the box and shooting past Jordan Pickford in our period together this five season together is the same like the first Premier League we won we are almost the same guys we changed players but the same guys the same identity and the runaway leaders are out on their own again. It's two in a minute for Pep Guardiola's team and they've blown Palace away. There is the full-time whistle. Well, you can order the champagne. You can get the crystal glasses out. It's not long now. And congratulations to Manchester City. A big hello to Darren Lewis and to Alex Crook. Look, 
there's a lot of games to look at and some that mean a lot some that don't but there's some big news pieces as well that affect the Premier League too and its future um, plus we've just crowned the champions which we probably should start with and Pep Guardiola said this is the hardest most difficult uh, win of all three of the titles that he has picked up here how impressed are you with the way they finished especially Darren after the way they started I actually think and I know my colleague at the Daily Mirror uh, David McDonald wrote a piece about this I think this is the most impressive of the lot uh, because they pretty much gave everyone a head start. Well, let's go back to last season. They were 18 points behind Liverpool. They lost David Silva. There were lots of people at the start of the season suggesting that things had gone stale, that maybe Pep had reached the end of the cycle, that maybe that he couldn't, like Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger, rebuild a side capable of competing at the very highest echelons of the Premier League. And uh, remember, in their opening game of the season, they were smashed up 5-2, their opening home game, by Leicester. But the day after that defeat, they bought Ruben Diaz. And I'm not going to say the change was immediate, because obviously, as we know, they still did have a few dodgy results. And I think in November, when Spurs beat them, they were 11th and eight points off the pace. And then suddenly... They won 22 of the subsequent 27 and Diaz was key to that. Um, And he's one of those players, isn't he, where anybody he plays alongside gets better. Then you factor in Gundogan in midfield who scored 12 goals. Uh, They did it mostly without Aguero. They did it mostly without Jesus. I know Crook believes that he's a good strike, but not City class. And so you have to say that this is the best of the lot. For me, more style, more evolution about it, more guile, more points of attack, defensively better. Um, yeah, that, that, it, to me, I can't see a better performance during Guardiola's time in charge. Yeah, it's Pep Guardiola's ninth top tier title in 12 seasons as a top manager. It's also the 26th major honour that he has won as a boss with a possible 27th available to win in the Champions League final at the end of the month. For context on that, only Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal have won more than 27 major trophies in the history of English football. So in English football, it's Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal and Pep Guardiola. Um, (laughs) Who have been the standout players for you, Crook? Well, I think Darren is right to highlight Diaz um, for me. Diaz has been not only Manchester City's best player, but I think he's been the Premier League player of the year um, because this is a a title win built on solid defensive foundations, which isn't necessarily always the Guardiola way. I think Gundogan as well, scoring important goals, stepping up, particularly when De Bruyne was injured mid-season. Don't underestimate his contribution. And Foden, and I think the way that Guardiola has managed Foden, there were people crying out for him to be sent out on loan to the EFL last season. Guardiola was adamant, no, I want him to stay here and develop our way the fruits of that labour has paid off and also the way that Guardiola handled Foden after that incident on England duty with Mason Greenwood in Iceland because it's taken Greenwood a long time on the face of it to get that out of his system only really in the last five or six weeks as he managed to find any kind of form Guardiola clearly put his arm around Foden and said look you've made a mistake do your talking on the pitch and my word has he done that so they for me would be the three standout players the goalkeeper as well you look at the the number of attacks that that he starts but the key moment the absolute key moment for me was a meeting that took place in the Maldives 
um, in the autumn between Pep Guardiola who loves to go to the Maldives and why not? And the Manchester City chairman. And it was in that conversation when other managers were actively being pursued at that stage, the likes of Maurizio Pochettino, the likes of Nagelsmann. So Manchester City weren't entirely convinced that Guardiola would sign a new contract. But as soon as he did that, Manchester City's form rocketed and that uncertainty that I think had seeped into the dressing room suddenly ebbed away. That's a terrific point. Um, and Phil Foden becoming the first Manchester City player to reach double figures in both goals and assists this season by uh, when he came up with that assist for, for Mares in midweek against PSG. He's also the first Englishman under 21 years old to do that for a Premier League club since Deli Alley in 2015-16. I think, you know, isn't sort of something that we can underestimate or underplay his development this season. And, you know, you touched on it saying that he's been managed in the right way. I mean, this is a this is a generational talent that Manchester City have got their hands on here, Darren. And how you manage that is really important. And the fact that he's got somebody... I mean, years gone by, Manchester City have produced actually quite a few really great young players. I remember Michael Johnson, who was a terrifically talented player, but wasn't looked after maybe in the way off the field that he needed to be to be to be guided in the right way. The fact that the structures are in place now at Manchester City to do that with someone like... I'm not comparing Johnson to Foden, by the way. I'm just saying that he was a great talent. But Foden is something different. He's something special. Having him and Mount in the same league at the same time and in the same England team at the same time is... Is is a is something to behold, isn't it? Absolutely. I was talking to an ex-pro the other day who was saying what Foden does. I don't think people he doesn't think people recognise how difficult it is to do that. The, the dribbling ability he has to hold off players, keep his balance, be able to have the forethought to be able to pick out the kind of passes that he does. He is a generational talent, you're right. All of that obviously combined with coping with the pressure of wearing the City shirt and performing at the level he does as often as he does and being able to cap some of the performances with goals. He is an outstanding talent. And the thing that you both point to, and to be fair, I've said this before on the pod, Guardiola's handling of Foden's been exemplary because there were many people, myself included, you know, who felt that while other players of a comparable age were going out and getting regular first team football elsewhere, he was on the bench getting two to three minutes here, three minutes there, 10 minutes here, 12 minutes there, starting the odd League Cup game. Maybe even there, there were games that weren't that important in the Premier League and he still wasn't starting. And lots of people said Guardiola perhaps should allow him to go out on loan. But Guardiola has been vindicated because his handling of Foden has been outstanding and it's now allowed him to be able to flourish in the way. And you're right to make the comparisons with Michael Johnson. I know you're not being critical of Michael Johnson or anyone else, but there have been some fabulous players come through the City Academy over the years and they've not flourished because they've not been handled in the way that Guardiola has handled Foden. And I think that cannot be overlooked as part of this success. Uh, Michael Johnson, by the way, has gone on to have a very successful career in the hospitality industry. He actually owns the pub at the end of my road uh, here in Didsbury. Uh, And it's a banging pub. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. So while Foden's serving it up to Premier League defenders, Johnson is serving it up to Sam Matterface. He's not. He's not. Um, He's not not serving. He's, he's, He's the overlord, mate. 
Uh, we, we should mention City's other MVP, that hoodie that Pep Guardiola was given by a, a charity raising awareness of Spanish migrants. He wore it for the first time. I think they beat Southampton by a goal to Neil Raheem Sterling. Got that goal. He's been wearing it ever since. Superstition, and they've barely lost a game, have they? We're yeah. In the barrel here, aren't we? I yeah, mean, I, think, back to I think, think that's probably anything to do with the, the, the outcome of the title but anyway maybe I don't know I'm not a superstitious guy Carl Walker I want to mention him I think he's been absolutely terrific one of his best seasons he's played actually um, I think maybe the Cancelo competition has, has helped him uh, maybe the fact that he got to 49 England caps then got sent off and panicked for his life and thought oh there's no chance I'm going to get 50 uh, and then turned out some great performances afterwards. He, I think he's a stick on to start the uh, the, the world uh, the uh, European Championships for England. I think he's been brilliant. He started 13 of the last 19 games in all competition. It's the joint best scoring season of his career. Um, he's, he's he's done brilliantly, and I think he deserves a mention. Look, they, they've got Newcastle on Friday night in a game that means absolutely nothing because they've won the title. Newcastle is safe now. Um, they won their the last match against Newcastle two 0 Gundogan Torres scored the goals. Uh, Newcastle had just 25% possession in that game. Is this going to be another really one-sided game on Friday night? Probably, uh, because Callum Wilson, unfortunately, has broken down again. Just when he seemed to be coming back to form, a hamstring injury ruling him out for the rest of the season, ending any faint hopes probably that he had of gate-crashing the European Championship squad. And we know that the stats are there. Newcastle are not the same animal. Without Callum Wilson, Manchester City, I think, will want to come out and put on a performance worthy of being crowned champions. So I think it's very difficult to see anything other than another comprehensive, dominant Manchester City victory. Yes, the sun always shines on TV. Um, But Sky Sports, BT Sport, Amazon Prime Video and BBC Sport have agreed in principle uh, to continue uh, their existing television deal with the Premier League for another three years. Why, you say, is this so significant? Well, because it's been done without an auction for the first time since 1992 and they had to get approval from the government in order to do that. Um, and, And also, in order to do that, Darren, they had to give some cash away. Uh, Clearly, they weren't happy going to auction. What are the reasons for this? And why is it important, Darren? Well, I think you've just summed it up. You know, these are unprecedented times. The coronavirus, the impact of the coronavirus has has been huge. And clubs don't want a situation where the value of the rights spirals out of control at a time when they are struggling, really, barely, I don't want to be too... Do you think they were worried that the TV deal was going to dip and they weren't going to have enough competition? Because let's be clear, BT Sport giving up their FA Cup rights recently. There's lots of speculation about the fact that they might uh, end up selling either the business or some of the parts of the business. Um, obviously, Amazon Prime Video have only recently come into Premier League football and it's been relatively successful, I think, for them, but mainly because they've got more games than they actually paid for initially this season. So, I mean, were they a little bit concerned, actually, that they weren't going to get the cash that they thought they were going to get? Well, yeah, in a word, yes. I mean, the current deal, which is worth £4.7 billion, 
that was agreed in 2018 and that represented a 10% drop in value. Um, now, this is a deal that's been agreed in principle under the Competition Act. Um, so, as you say, it allows the league to renew without the tender process. Um, but they were concerned that there could be another fall in value if the usual open market auction started as planned. I think it was scheduled to begin next month. And so they were so worried about that that they just thought, let's just do it. It looks very much as though the value for domestic leagues in Europe appears to have peaked. Let's just do it now. Shake hands on an agreement in principle. Um, I think they issued a statement today ahead of our podcast recording on Thursday morning saying that in the light of the damaging COVID-19 pandemic, the the Premier League were able to demonstrate to the government exceptional reasons why it felt that um, there should be this exclusion order, basically. I think they get away with it because of Brexit as well, can't they? I mean, I think one of the reasons why they had to have a, a, a tender was because European competition law made it it's it, so that you couldn't have one dominant broadcast partner which is what they had before um with sky and then they had to break that up and have at least one package going elsewhere um Krupp, what do you think of it and what does it mean for the rest of, what does it mean for the premier league um well i think it's not just the premier league effective it means that more money or we know money will be able now to filter down to the EFL, not necessarily more money because of course the, the value of the deal hasn't gone up but I think that would have been attractive for the government because they'd rather that Premier League clubs and television companies were paying EFL clubs than them having to put together any kind of rescue package. I think the other interesting element that's almost gone under the radar because we, we've been so focused on the, the money element is that BT Sport have actually publicly said that to help with fixture congestion that if a team are playing in Europe on a Wednesday night, if they're playing in the Champions League, they won't be made to kick off in that prime time slot of 12.30 on a Saturday lunchtime. It will be moved to an evening game, which is great if you're Jurgen Klopp, because we know that was one of his hobby horses this season. Not so great, I would suggest, if you're an away fan looking to travel somewhere on a Saturday night. We know it's notoriously difficult uh, to get back by public transport at that time. And cars, they always close the motorways. Well, they do, exactly. So once again, um, football fans, I'm sure some various supporters groups will have their say on this. They're the last ones that have been consulted. Okay, uh, well, with West Bromwich Albion and Fulham already relegated along with Sheffield United, City already declared as the champions, Chelsea and Leicester edging towards taking a stranglehold on the top four, we are eternally grateful that at least we've got an FA Cup final to look forward to. Space for Ziyech inside the middle of the box and he squared it and it's in. And Hakim Ziyech puts Chelsea in front. It's Chelsea who go through to the FA Cup final in the middle of May. This will be huge, absolutely. I mean, the FA Cup is one of the most prestigious cup in the world. Leicester 3, Manchester United 1 and now they will dare to dream those foxes. The club is over 50 years since it's been to the final, which is you know amazing. But when that comes, we want to win it. And Chelsea against Leicester is live on TalkSport at 5.15 this Saturday. I'll be there alongside Andy Townsend 
Can't wait for that. Uh, it's the first FA Cup final in 52 years for Leicester. They've never won one. Uh, Leicester lost a, a pressure knockout game against Slavia Prague and stumbled to a win in the semi-final over Southampton. Chelsea, a little bit more used, Darren, to this sort of occasion. They've seen off Atleti in the Champions League, Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-finals, Madrid in the Champions League. How much does big game experience and nous come into an occasion like this? Massive. I'd argue that the most important person in this situation is actually Tuchel, uh, because Tuchel has that ability to handle pressure in big games. And I think he's on a mission, isn't he, to render the decision by PSG to cut him loose at Christmas absolutely horrendous, uh, because <laughs> they must be looking at him going into a cup final, going into a Champions League final, steering a club with a serious chance of finishing in the top four of the Premier League and thinking, did we go too soon? Consider we are looking up at Lille in the league and we are out of the Champions League. Um, and, and clubs do this all the time. Instead of investing in better players defensively, they go out and get another manager and ask them to overachieve. Look, as far as Tuchel is concerned, done a great job. We've done all the numbers many times here on the pod. I just think his experience and in many respects, the defeat against Arsenal will weigh heavily in Chelsea's favour. He will demand a response and I think you'll get it. I think they'll be too good for Leicester. I mean, I know it's a separate debate, but um, Maurizio Pochettino, who has had a, a bit of a reputation of not being able to get over the line and win things, has got two games in Ligue 1 to win the, uh, the title um, and he's three points behind Lille. I mean, Crook, as an advocate and, and, and pseudo-agent for Maurizio Pochettino, <laughs> um, how, how do you react to that? Well, they were in a bit of a mess, weren't they, in fairness, when oh, he right. took okay. over, hence so the fact that Tuchel was sacked. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah right. let's see how he okay. fares next season. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on. I've met Thomas Tuchel on a number of occasions now, and uh, one of the reasons he did get sacked was because he kept falling out with everybody. Apparently fell out with everybody at Borussia Dortmund. He fell out with everybody at PSG. He is so nice. He's so yeah. friendly. He's so polite. He, you know, he has a little bit of arrogance about him, but then again, you know, he's an elite football manager. I just hope that this... Thomas Tuchel continues next season once he signs his new extended contract, which I'm sure is in the offing. Darren? The stats going into this match to guarantee two players will start. Chelsea, they've conceded 26 goals in 19 Premier League games when Antonio Rudiger hasn't started this season, compared to only seven that they've conceded in the 17 games when he has started. And also Mason Mount, everyone said he was Frank Lampard's favourite son, but Thomas Tuchel is realising, and Gareth Southgate, of course, his value to the Chelsea team created more chances than any other player uh, for uh, taking his tally to the season to 82. Only Bruno Fernandes for Man United has created more in the Premier League this season with 92. Yep, he's a, he's an absolute gem. Um, look, Leicester showed great fortitude to come back and win a big game away at Manchester United despite taking the lead, letting it slip and winning it thanks to a very good second half performance. But it was Manchester United-ish, wasn't it? Um, it, although they also beat them in the quarterfinal in recent weeks actually if you look at Leicester's performances take a longer view of it their performances haven't been great have they? 
No, and you do worry about them in, in, in pressure situations because they did their best not to win that game against Manchester United and that would have been a massive opportunity lost given the, the weakness of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team selection. They weren't brilliant in the FA Cup semi-final. Southampton were just worse. So they are going to need to raise their game. We're going to need to see the Leicester side um, that started the season in such commanding form and it's difficult, isn't it, just to switch it on and off like a tap at, at this stage of the season. Having said that, in Kelechi... Iheanacho, they have a man who has really excelled in the FA Cup this season. I think he will be a big danger uh, for Chelsea with that partnership with Jamie Vardy. But Johnny Evans, uh, still a possibility he could be fit for the weekend. I think really and truly he has to be fit. Yeah. Otherwise, it's difficult to make a case for Leicester. He will be. He will be. There's the, the you know look. It's the biggest game of their season. It's the biggest game that they've had probably since they won the title. So it's absolutely massive. And he's he. I think they, he probably could have forced it on Tuesday night if he really needed to, but they decided to protect him for the weekend. Just on, on this game, I was having a bit of a debate with one or two Leicester fans on social media last night because somebody posed the question, FA Cup or top four, if you had to choose one or the other? And I thought most Leicester fans would say the FA Cup because you say they never won it. They've got a bit of history when it comes to losing finals. But our esteemed football editor, Jason Bourne, big Leicester fan, you'll know that if you follow him on Twitter, he said he'd rather have the Champions League because that gives the club a more solid foundation for the future. My heart sunk a little bit hearing that because oh, that just Jason. plays into the narrative. I thought Jason would be a romantic. I thought, he would be, uh, I thought he'd be all over the FA Cup. I mean, I'm, I must admit, I'm an FA Cup guy. I like the FA Cup. So um, I, I believe that putting silverware down on your mantelpiece is the most important thing you can do over the course of a season. If they get, they'll get into the Champions League anyway now. I, th- I think they, they are, that win is going to, to secure that. Um, look, we joke about Chelsea. Um, we joke about the fact that they have so many shots, they give hen and stag parties a run for their money. But um, the accuracy and conversion of those shots is incredibly poor. Um, again, missing big chances in midweek. That is going to cost them at some point, Darren. It is, um, because you just, well, we already know the reasons why. And it underlines the fact that they do need another striker. And I think the scenes between Thomas Tuchel and Aubameyang didn't go unnoticed in the wake of the Chelsea defeat to Arsenal on Thursday night. Quite clearly, that's not going to happen, excuse me, this summer given that Aubameyang signed a longer-term deal. But I think it will be the case that Chelsea will look around at a high-class strike. I don't think it'll be Haaland. I think a lot of clubs are backing away from Haaland. I think it quite possibly could be Kane if Chelsea were to sell some of the big-name players not getting a game at the club to be able to get him. And if they were, as you say, imagine if they were to get Kane to finish off the many chances that they create in any given game then they really would be serious challenges to City, given the defensive strength they've got at the club. I don't think that if Daniel Levy sanctioned that deal, he would be the chairman of Tottenham Hotspur for much but longer. Then you say that, Sam, but we've been here before. I said this no, to you. we've never day. been there before. Herbertoff, Bale. No. You know, the players who want to leave Tottenham get their way. But not to the- Chelsea. Not to Arsenal. It doesn't happen. The only time it's ever happened is because Sol Campbell ran down his contract. Harry Kane has a massive, massive contract which has got long time to run on it. Yeah, but if they were to offer the money that Spurs want, then it would 
A, it would do one of two things. It would give Levy a huge decision to make, but more importantly, it would give Kane a huge decision to make. If Chelsea are the ones that put the money down... No chance. You look at Chelsea and you say they are a side with a serious chance of going toe-to-toe with City. You know, imagine if Tuchel had come into Chelsea earlier this season. But he can't do it. Harry Kane can't do it. He, he ruins his legacy at Tottenham Hotspur. He can't do that. It's not going to happen. Listen, I, I, think, I think he'll go to Manchester City. He's going to go. To, he's going to go to City or United. And now, after wait, 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 wait. You both think so, and, and, and I, 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 listen, I happen to agree. But the question, Crook, isn't where is he going to go? The question is, what would he do if Chelsea were the only option on the table? I don't think he would tarnish his legacy at Tottenham by moving across London. You know, you look at Sol Campbell. I spent a bit of time with Sol Campbell recently. We got a documentary on Talk Sport being Sol Campbell very shortly. And he's still scarred by what happened. He described himself as being dehumanised when he left Tottenham to join Arsenal. I don't see Harry Kane putting himself in that situation. No. I don't either. Um, look, one of the things that got Chelsea um, into the position that they are in is their imperious defensive record. Arsenal got on the score sheet in midweek, but only because Chelsea gifted them a chance. 12 clean sheets in the first 14 that Thomas Tuchel was in charge of. Um, Kepper is going to play the final. We should touch on that. I, I texted Crook earlier in the week about this and said that I think Kepper is going to play the final. Um, Actually, he's done all right recently in terms of keeping the ball out of the net, hasn't he? I mean, he almost almost spared Jorginho's blushes on Wednesday night. Yeah, but- yeah that was exactly what your text said. It was just as measured as that, I remember. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, talk about something else no listen he did, he did okay it wasn't his fault the goal it was Jorginho who by the way has come out uh, 24 hours after that game and said how happy he is at Chelsea and wants to commit his future I'm sure Chelsea fans will be delighted <laughs> to know that after such an incredible blunder I mean what was he doing I that think he no would be delighted class. to extend his contract now after that it was incredible but <laughs> it's a big call I know Kepa's been the cup goalkeeper and in some ways you have to herald Thomas Tuchel for staying loyal but if he makes a mistake that cost them the FA Cup, everybody to a man will say, well, why didn't he pick Mendy? So before we look into uh, what we expect to see at the weekend, there are two games that were played on Thursday night, absolutely pivotal to the European race. And Alex Crook and I actually were at them. Uh, I was at Manchester United, Liverpool. Crook was at the game in Birmingham between Villa and Everton. But let's start at Old Trafford. Manchester United to Liverpool for what a terrific game and they really aren't always like this but ultimately I suppose Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's plan backfired didn't it really because earlier in the week United rested 10 players uh, against Leicester because they wanted to target this particular game that was postponed originally after fans protest 10 days ago but the one player they missed the most was the one that they arguably played too much beforehand and that was Harry Maguire was 72 consecutive Premier League games for Manchester United before his injury and, and that injury exposed his colleagues' frailties. Many thought he wasn't really worth the 80 million quid that they paid for him from Leicester but on this evidence, really and truly, I mean, they can't afford to be without him. All the goals that Manchester United conceded were avoidable. Phillips given too much time after a corner. A silly free kick given away by Pogba. Poor marking. Then Luke Shaw and Fred competed for who could be the most culpable as Firmino scored his second 
second after half time. It was scarcely believable that Firmino actually had been on his longest run without a goal for Liverpool. Jota hit a post before the hour mark and Liverpool were threatening to run away with it. They were very good second half. They didn't. United pulled one back. And actually, if it had come in a slightly different scenario, I think maybe it would have been a contender for United's goal of the season. Such was a slick build-up involving Rashford, Cavani, Fernandes. But despite pressurising Liverpool when they were trying to go for the equaliser, they got caught on the break. In the last minute, Salah races away on the counter-attack, makes it four. Now, this is what it means, and it's really important, because it means not only the Egyptian goes level with Harry Kane in the race for the golden boot, more importantly, it means that if Liverpool beat West Brom, they beat Burnley, and they beat Palace, there is absolutely every chance now that Jurgen Klopp's team will nick a top four place at the expense of Leicester or Chelsea. Because now they can get 69 points. And Leicester play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge with a few fans in next Tuesday. It's going to be a really tense end to the season. I think the race for the top four is going to go right down to the wire. There's even a scenario where Leicester could miss out on goal difference or Chelsea could miss out by a point. That's probably for another day. Certainly it will stoke debate, but it is a first victory for Liverpool at Old Trafford under Jurgen Klopp, and it means that their season is very much alive. Is that the case for Everton, who played Aston Villa before this match and Crookie was watching? Everton host Sheffield United at Goodison Park on Sunday tea time in a game they simply have to win to stand any realistic chance of qualifying for the Europa League, let alone the Champions League, which was their aim at the start of the season. Those top four aspirations were dealt a fatal blow as they limped to a 0-0 draw against Aston Villa on Thursday night. 98 minutes of my life that I'll never see again. It was a timid display from Carlo Ancelotti's side. Defensively sound, surely they will be again against a Blade side who are hardly prolific, but they need to get the ball up to Dominic Calvert-Lewin against his former club much more than they did in the West Midlands. I think Angelotti will see it as another missed opportunity in keeping with the season, really. They play Wolves in midweek. They really need six points from these two games because Manchester City are their opponents on the final day and Angelotti is shrewd enough and experienced enough to know they won't want to go into that game having to get a result. Sigurdsson will take the free kick, lofted high towards the far post, it's nodded back across the face of goal and it's a really good save by Martinez to turn the ball behind El Ghazi over the free kick here, hits it right footed, fisted away at the near post by Pickford. Well here is a big moment for Aston Villa, the return of Jack Grealish, high to the far post, Calvin Lewin with the header, brilliant save by Martinez, right towards goal by the Corre and almost under the crossbar, Richarlison heads it over the top and Everton miss a glorious chance to move into the top six. Everton will regard this as a missed opportunity. Full time. Aston Villa nil, Everton nil. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Brighton take on West Ham on Saturday at 8 o'clock. Uh, it's live on Talk Sport. Crook, I know you're doing this game as well. Uh, West Ham took a, a knock back last weekend when they lost to Everton. Could their Champions League hopes be finished off at the Amex against a, a Seagull side that have started to get their just rewards and, and, and would have actually followed up wins over Leeds, Newcastle and Saints with a win over Wolverhampton Wanderers if Lewis Dunk hadn't have been sent off at the weekend? Yeah, and Dunk will be a big loss this weekend, obviously starting um, suspension. I think he's been one of Brighton's standout players. I've said in the pod, I think he has the ability to, to go and really play for a top club and, and should be certainly in the conversation for a place in the European Championships. In terms of West Ham, three defeats now in their last four matches. They've lost form at just the wrong time of the season. I guess it was inevitable uh, given the the lack of depth possibly in the squad. They've picked up some injuries that have been a, a factor in that. And Brighton that's actually pressure have a really as well? good record. Do you think that's pressure yeah, as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, although, from the outside looking in, there shouldn't be pressure on West Ham because they've already overachieved. They've already exceeded yeah. their pre-season expectations tenfold. But it's inevitable when you're a professional sportsman and you have an opportunity to, to maybe create a piece of history that that is going to heap on some psychological pressure. And they don't have a great record against Brighton in the Premier League. Brighton will have one or two famous wins against West Ham. I, th- I think it will be difficult for West Ham to, to get back on winning form on Saturday night. Okay. Um, Darren, uh, I, I know that you're in the middle of some sort of torrential storm there um, and we don't want you to get uh, blown away <laughs> or swept swept into uh, the River Thames. Uh, yeah, but I should, I should apologise in advance. What you can hear behind me is a very, very heavy downpour midway through this podcast so if it gets a bit louder if you're a bit distracted that's the reason why okay listen if you're sitting at home and you're listening to this thinking you're distracted imagine how darren feels he's worried about his safety he thinks he's going to 
get uh, washed downstream. Um, West Ham United, um, let's just talk a little bit about David Moyes because he's done a very good job. No matter what happens this season, he should probably be in the conversation for for, for someone who deserves at least maybe second place in manager of the year uh, because obviously Pep winning the title, winning the League Cup, possibly getting uh, a Champions League uh, winner's medal as well will take that honour. But David Moore's done a very good job. What's his contract situation? I mean, is he definitely wedded to, to West Ham United? Yeah, he, he stays anyway. Uh, I know people are speculating on it, but my understanding is that because they are obviously safe from relegation, that triggers another year regardless. But given the job that he's done, the foundations that he's laid, the players that he's improved, the transfer business, the fact that he's enhanced his own reputation and got West Ham into a European place, could yet, I know it's extremely slim, but it could yet be a Champions League place, he will get a longer term deal and expect that to be announced in the summer. There's no sort of suggestion that he might be tempted by uh, Celtic, no? Well, do you know what? Somebody said to me yesterday, um, if you were Spurs, rather than messing around with some of the untried talent that's out there who will eventually have good careers but are nowhere near experienced enough to take over a club the size of Spurs, you could do a lot worse than get a David Moyes. And actually, that made perfect sense to me because he, the reason for, let me give some context around West Ham. After 34 games last season, they were fifth from bottom, three points above the relegation zone. At the same stage this season, they are five points off the top four in fifth and with a real chance of still taking it to the final day in the race for Champions League football. That's the job he's done. And how's he done it? Hard work. Anyone who thinks of themselves as being above that doesn't play and I think that's what Spurs do need if you are looking for someone to succeed Jose Mourinho so yeah I can see all of the reasons why he's enhanced his reputation and why they would want to keep him and the West Ham fans crucially who after Pellegrini left were saying that Moyes signaled a lack of ambition they are all to a man team Moyes now just to uh, reiterate you don't want to go back to Tottenham do you clearly because you've already sold Harry Kane on this podcast and now you're trying to get them to <laughs> David Moyes um, West Bromwich Albion against Liverpool Crook Sunday 4.30 uh, Liverpool needed to win every single game it shouldn't be a problem with this one should it Although in the recent past, West Brom have caused them problems and everybody's playing with a little bit of freedom now. I was going to say, Big Sam uh, was howled for a managerial masterclass by one of the commentators on TalkSport International after that game at Anfield. I'm not completely convinced that I subscribe to that narrative. I think Liverpool, in keeping with their season, really missed a lot of chances and, and West Brom managed to stage a smash and grab in the second half. But listen, if, if Liverpool are serious about getting back into Europe next season and it isn't a give-me, they have to win this game. They have. They have to... They have to win every game between now and the end of the season. And I think they will. You know, West Bromwich Albion relegated. I know talks have taken place between Big Sam and the club already about the possibility of him staying on next season. Although the vibe I'm getting is that maybe there won't be the financial resource that perhaps he would want to to guarantee they could come straight back up. Chris Wilder is another name that's been mentioned to me by people close to the Hawthorns. And um, you could see why that would be an attractive appointment for them. Although, again, maybe not for him if they're not going to back whoever comes in in the transfer market. Everton against uh, Chris Wilder's former club, Sheffield United, Sunday, 7 o'clock. A nice, easy home fixture for Everton. Um, 
but that's usually where they end up faltering, isn't it? Um, a place in the Europa League possible. They can't afford to drop points against a side that have slipped into the championship with 11 defeats in 13 games. This should be a, a home win, shouldn't it, Darren? 100%. I think on the face of it, uh, you would say so, but then you look up at the points they dropped at home against Leeds, against Newcastle, against West Ham, against Fulham, uh, against Burnley. They are so bad at home. Um, they, they lost to all of those teams. They drew against Crystal Palace at home. They lost to Aston Villa at home. And if they'd even got half those points, they would be in with a serious shout of the top four but as things stand they're, they're, they're scraping around I don't even believe they'll win this game if I'm perfectly honest with you um, I think away from home they've been a bit better but lots of draws in that form as well for Everton so I think in the summer Ancelotti must if he's going to challenge for silverware or Europe next season he has to go out and get at least one more central defender a commanding central defender possibly even two and he needs competition in goal uh, because at the moment defensively Everton are shocking talking of teams that are all over the place uh, defensively Tottenham uh, take on Wolverhampton Wanderers Um, can that Spurs defence repel the hungry Wolves Crook Wolves that hungry (laughs) not really I'm not convinced I'm not convinced they have been. Um, well, this could be a job audition, couldn't it? For Nuno Espirito Santo, who's one of many managers who've been mentioned as a possible successor. Every manager has Mourinho. been mentioned. There hasn't been one manager who hasn't been mentioned, apart from Pep Tuchel and Mikel Arteta. It, it will be fascinating to see what road they go down. I know you've touched on it already, but Scott Parker, it was suggested to me, will definitely be interviewed for that job. Is that the uh, is that is that the aisle that Tottenham should be shopping in? Someone who's just overseen his second relegation? I'm not sure. But you know what, I'm, gonna, game, I'm just going to make an argument on that, right? Okay. If you look at it slightly differently and think that Frank Lampard was hired by Chelsea, who have a club probably with a higher expectation than Tottenham, right? From Derby, after Derby failing to get up through the playoffs, hiring a manager with Premier League experience actually isn't that much of a stretch. It's not that much of a stretch. Now, you said what happened there. Well, actually, what happened there was he brought through probably Chelsea's best player in the last 10, 15 years in terms of Mason Mount from the academy, since probably John Terry, and gave them the the platform to allow some of those younger talents to flourish, plus got them into the Champions League petition despite the fact they had a transfer embargo. So, you know, let's just be a little bit careful about how we assess the performance of Frank Lampard. I know what we like to do is we turn around and say everyone's rubbish when they don't win a Champions League, but that's not entirely true. But in terms of making a decision about Scott Parker and going to Tottenham, it's not the biggest stretch in the world to believe that with Tottenham's current resources... Their ambition, which isn't as high as 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 Manchester United, Manchester City, and um, and uh, and Chelsea, it isn't. Let's just be honest about it, because otherwise they they wouldn't be in the situation that they currently are. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that they might do it. Well, Sam, Sam, I'm sorry, I I, I got to start, I join in with Crook there. You, you're making a case for why it could happen, but eventually, I'm not saying it should happen. I'm saying. It isn't as much of a stretch as everybody's making out. How do you sell a guy whose team couldn't defend, can't score goals, nine no, goals? Apart from that. Yeah, exactly. He's been relegated twice in the last three years, but he speaks superbly well and he dresses nice. Really? Come on. I mean, this is the, you know, 
it's a serious note and it's for another day, right? But I think I, I think of all the black coaches in, in English football, right? And I think they must think to themselves, these are guys who get the keys to big clubs. Shearer, Middlesbrough, uh, Shearer, Newcastle, Southgate, Middlesbrough, Lampard, Derby, then Chelsea, the, the Parker with Fulham. And now people are talking about him for, for Spurs. You know, the price of failure for these guys is bigger clubs. And you've got other managers who are sitting by themselves, kicking their heels, can't get a look in because we are making the case for guys who have failed. And I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. I'm not making the case. I'm making the case for the situation happening. I'm saying it's possible. It's not no, not no, it's possible. Not. It cannot be. It cannot be. Well, it and is. Because you just already said he's going to be interviewed for the job, so it is possible. Sam, it's an indictment of our football culture if a guy who has failed, he has failed. Let's not kid ourselves. He has failed. Tell me one single metric that qualifies him to take over one of the biggest clubs in the country. Time for a whistle-stop tour of one of our great fixtures this weekend through the prism of stats, and I want you guys to give me your best stat from the game. But oh, Why am I reading this out? This is Lucy's script. Uh, anyway, I'll go back to that. Hello, Lucy. How are you? I'm good, Ty, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, so Sorry about the argument there. Um, you know, we it's get a little bit that. feisty, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about Southampton Fulham, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. So it's time now for a quick look at one of our weekend fixtures. Uh, Sam's already revealed it. He's also already partly read my script. So let's just crack <laughs> on. Give me a stat from this game. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit excited there. Um, sorry, Lucy, I didn't even ask you how you were this week and what you've been up to, because usually you've got some hilarious story. Well, actually, I've got a really embarrassing story. Um, they usually start am, that way, yeah. I'm in the market at the minute Uh-oh. for a new uh, oh. driving instructor. Oh, right, okay. Um, because on Tuesday when I had a lesson with him, uh, we were having a great time. And uh, I went to change gear quite quickly and accidentally grabbed his thigh rather than the gear. <laughs> Is that because you you've do. got bad heart, hand, eye coordination or because this was a really small car? It was because there was, an, there was an oncoming car and I thought, oh gosh, I better change down quite quick. So I reached across quite fast and I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we all took it in good humour, though. We Did took you? Well, clearly not, because you're changing your driving instructor. Is this, is this induced by him or you? Oh, no, it's me, because I don't think I can look him in the eye again. <laughs> How high up on the... No, don't answer that question. Um, <laughs> right, OK, let's go for it. What's on Stats Entertainment? I've already told you what Stats on Stats Entertainment, so we're going to go around the people now. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Sam has gone full anchor man today, hasn't he? (laughs) Right, go on, Sam. Take it away. Oh, you want me to take it away? Okay, right. Okay, look, Fulham are going down, and we've had our little debate about uh, Scott Parker. It pains me to say it, but they are. And what do you expect, really? I mean, you lot all your blame Scott Parker, but assessment really is about expectation, the fact that Fulham gave themselves a chance, albeit a slim one a month ago, when they could have gone against above Newcastle United. That was a surprise in itself, bearing in mind they've got so many loan players and a very small budget. The fact that if Adamola Lookman doesn't miss from four yards out against Leeds, they stay up is irrelevant now. Especially seeing as seconds later, the boy Rafinha wraps in a goal at the other end and actually kills off all their chances. Uh, the issue is the home form. They've been absolutely rubbish at home. They've only won two games at home. But beware, Southampton. Beware. 
because Fulham have actually only lost two of their last 11 away from home. They're coming for you this Saturday, Saints. They're coming for you. You say Fulham are rubbish at home. Yeah. How many games have they won away from home? Well, they've only lost two. <laughs> they've won two games at home, three games away. Yeah. doesn't matter where Scott Parker's Fulham play. They are rubbish. They're not rubbish. They're just not as good as some of the other teams in the league. <laughs> Stop laughing. Why are you laughing so hard? Is that your stat, by the way? No. No, I've got all kinds of stats to, to, to highlight how rubbish Fulham are, but I thought I'd... I think, I think to, to, I'd let them off. Clear, to be clear, we, we, we like Scott Parker. The Premier League needs fresh ideas. It needs Scott Parker, absolutely. It needs refreshing. He's honest. But in terms of what his team does, you can only judge managers and their capabilities and what their teams do. And he would admit himself that he needs more time and more support to be able to bed down the side that is going to do well in the Premier League. So we're I not agree just with you. dragging him off for the sake of it. We're just looking at what his team have done and saying, as a CV, it doesn't qualify him for a bigger job. I agree he? with you, but that wasn't my point. My point was, is that the process is so flawed and Tottenham lack ambition that it is not beyond the realms of possibility that he gets the job. Anyway, do you want my stat, Lucy? Yeah, yeah, go on. So I'm going to focus a bit more on Southampton, but there could be a little ray of light for Fulham in this game. I've mentioned how rubbish they are, home and away, but they might get a bit of a leg up at St Mary's on Saturday. Southampton conceding a penalty missed by Milivojevic, poor penalty saved by Fraser Forster in midweek. That was the ninth spot kick that they've conceded in the Premier League. That's a record um, for them. Their previous most was six in 93-94 and 16-17. They've also given away penalties in seven of their last 15 games. Wow. I guess the issue for Fulham is that they're as rubbish at scoring penalties as they are scoring from open play. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? If I had somebody like Sam defending me who laughs when someone else slags me off, <laughs> what chance have I got? <laughs> I'm just a happy guy. I just think everything's funny. Go on, Darren. Come on, stat us off. Southampton are going to win this match. Danny Ings may well score the winner. The leveller he scored the other day for Southampton was his 100th in his professional club career in all competitions. Um, it's now 101. Um, he scored more goals for the Saints, 46, than he scored for any other side. Also, at set pieces, Fulham are poor and Southampton are very good. 40, 14 of their 44 Premier League goals this season from set piece situations. And as you talk about penalties, Crookwell Forster actually hasn't done too bad. Badly say three of the last five that he's faced in the Premier League. Fulham, by comparison, have only scored nine times at home this season. I actually had to double check that stat because it's so bad. 35 games in and they've only scored nine times. I'm sorry, I'm not having the case for Fulham winning this match at all. You two, you two, just picking on the little guy. Unbelievable. He's got a good wardrobe, though. Are you talking about me or Scott Parker? <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, what's the results? Do you know what? I think we're all quite on, on the even at the minute. So I, I don't think we should do a last place one this week. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. Scrap relegation. Do... What's your name? John W. Henry. 
And that's one point dot from you now. Right. I was going to give threes across the board, but you're going to now get a two. Uh, so, Crook three, Darren three, Sam two. Uh, right, where does that leave the table? Have you got the table there? Can you work out the table that quickly? Yeah. Uh, or is uh, your maths as good a, as you driving? strong GCSE maths in me, so that's fine. Um, Don't grab so anyone's thigh. Darren's on, <laughs> Darren's on 15. Crook is on 11. And Sam, you're on 12. Ah, oh, so Crook's still bottom. That's the most important thing. He's going to get relegated and has a crap wardrobe. Final part this week. Um, just two quick games. Burnley against Leeds, which starts our game day on Saturday. And Crystal Palace against Aston Villa, Sunday midday. Also on Talk Sport 2. Um, these games really are relevant it doesn't matter what happens here I mean Leeds I suppose you could argue looking to ensure they finish in the top half of the table that would that would be a major success for Marcelo Bielsa and his team I remember earlier in the season he said he hadn't done a very good job because they weren't in the top 10 consistently so the idea of them actually finishing in that position I think will probably be a huge sort of thing for them and for Burnley I suppose and the fact that they're still in the Premier League next season is a, is a miracle I wanted to praise Chris Wood, um, the, the hand that he's had in them successfully navigating their way away from the relegation scrap, the goals that he scored, the way he's led the line. Isn't it about time Chris Wood was afforded the opportunity at a bigger club to really go and showcase his talents? I think he's a terrific striker. He's got wonderful technique. He's a menace for defenders. Obviously, he's fantastic in the air, but he's got great movement as well. I think he's now at the stage where he's too good for Burnley. I know West Ham want a centre-forward next season. Surely, Darren, he's someone they should be having on their radar. Yeah, he should be. The only problem is that Burnley overpriced their players. Tarkovsky, £50 million they wanted for him last summer. And West Ham, as you know, went away and bought Kufal with a fraction of that money. Uh, and I would imagine that if Chris Wood were available, they'd want silly money for him. But I think you're absolutely right. The goal he scored the other day is 150th goal for Burnley. He's done so superbly well for that club. Good in the air, good on the deck and a wonderful, honest uh, striker as well. I agree. Uh, Crystal Palace against Aston Villa is Sunday at midday. Um, okay, I suppose now this is the time to talk about Frank Lampard emerging as a major contender to be the new Crystal Palace manager. Obviously, there's been quite a lot of discussion about the fact that Roy will probably move on. I, I know some people think that he might stay. I mean, I think he might stay as a, a director of football or something like that. But having spoke to him twice over the last few weeks, he seems pretty sort of clouds close to his chest but basically saying I'm leaving at the end of the campaign I mean that's the vibe that I'm getting from him himself rather than than anybody else um, Frank Lampard if he does take over that job by the way has got a massive massive job to do because you know I think for an experienced manager the idea of rebuilding a club with loads of new players great but if you haven't got as much experience, bringing in so many different... It's going to take a few windows to turn that club around. I mean, you're talking... I was talking to a football director this week who was saying, whoever goes in at Palace, you know, they've really got to trust them because it's going to be three or four windows before you start to see any sort of major change. Because, you know, the results there have been all right this season. You know, they, you know, they ain't been great to watch, but they get the job done every year. Now you're talking about changing the entire wardrobe and then coming out and setting a new fashion. It's going to be very, very difficult. It is. And part of the problem at Palace is that there are 14 players out of contract at the end of the season. That's what I mean. Now, that 
suggests that they are getting ready to clear the decks in a big way, bring the wage bill down and then rebuild with younger players on a fraction of the wages that some of the players are earning at the club. And it also suggests that the rebuild is going to be without the current manager. You can't come to any other conclusion uh, when you see so many players out of contract. And also, you know, given... Hodgson has done superbly well and so we can't be disrespectful in to him in this conversation but I think that Palace do have a, a desire to push on they don't just want to be um, fighting against relegation every season they want a better style of football and they want a younger man to come in and reshape their future again with, with Lampard <laughs> I've made the point, so I don't need to make it again. Would he be a good fit for the club? I don't see why not. He's young, he's progressive, he does like young players, so he'll look into that academy and see who he can bring through. Um, so I don't see him as being a bad fit at all. It would just be interesting to see whether they go for him or not. I can't believe they've not got this sorted already. You know, it's been the world's worst kept secret for the reasons Darren has articulated that Roy Hodgson will be stepping aside at the end of the season. They've let these players' contracts run down because they want someone to come in with a, a new broom and, and make a clean sweep. Surely they know who they want. I mean, I was told a few weeks ago that Sean Dyche had been spotted house hunting in South London. We mentioned that on this podcast. Now, all of a sudden, Lampard's name emerges. I know for a fact they've also spoken to Patrick Vieira. But how have they let it get to the middle of May and they still don't know who their manager will be next season? That doesn't, to me, suggest that the club has too much foresight. Mm. Um, Right, that's it from us. We're back on Monday morning when you wake up to look back at a weekend of fun and nod towards a plethora of week. Uh, midweek action there's so much next week including uh, Leicester against Chelsea again um, that game uh, is going to be at Stamford Bridge and it's a key game in terms of the race for the top four so that's in midweek next week and I'm going to Burnley versus Liverpool uh, next week to do a commentary and Brighton versus Manchester City as well I- I'm going to take a coat to Burnley this time rather than forget it like I did last time I suppose I'll have to take a Burnley coat with me since they've given me one uh, right that's it uh, Darren have a good week uh, Crook enjoy yourself uh, please rate and review the podcast and tell all your friends to subscribe to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.